0: Welcome to the Domtar Corporation Q1 2021 Earnings Conference Call with financial analysts. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Participants are asked to press star 1 to register for a question. Should you require any assistance during the call, please press star then 0 on your touchtone phone. As a reminder, this call is being recorded. Today is Thursday, May 6, 2021. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Nicholas Estrella. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you, Olivia. Uh, good morning and welcome to our first quarter 2021 earnings call. Our speakers today will be John Williams, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Daniel Buron, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. During the call, references will be made to supporting slides, and you can find this presentation in the Investor section of the website. As a reminder, all statements made during the call that are not based on historical facts are forward-looking statements, subject to a number of risks and uncertainties, many of which are outside our control. I invite you to review Domtar's findings to the Securities Commissions for a listing of those. Finally, certain non-US GAAP financial measures will be presented and discussed, and you can find the reconciliation to the closest GAAP measure in the appendix of this morning's release, as well as on our website. But with that, I'll turn it over to John.
2: Thank you, Nick, and good morning, everyone. We're off to a good start to the year, despite some headwinds. Market fundamentals currently point to a significant improvement for the rest of the year with momentum building across all of our businesses. COVID-19 remained the dominant challenge in quarter one, as expected, but we also experienced major disruptions in our pulp operations and our supply chains across North America due to severe winter weather. My thanks go to all Donta employees for their outstanding contributions as we continue to execute despite these difficulties. Our performance reflects the quality of our workforce, the breadth of our products and services, and the focus we all have on delivering value to our customers and our shareholders. In paper, despite continued lockdowns in some key markets and weather challenges, our volumes were steady and we saw good momentum exiting the quarter. We announced several price increases across most of our paper grades, driven by improving supply and demand dynamics. As these increases take hold, our paper price realizations will improve over the next few months. Our mill system operated well, with no market-related downtime taken in the quarter. Our pulp business continued to experience strong demand, with a solid volume performance in China, as we supported key customers and increased our shipments in growing end markets. Fluff pulp volume was also up with growth in all of our markets. We announced several price increases in the first quarter and through May on the back of strong demand and supply constraints. This includes a difficult ocean shipping environment where both container and vessel availability remain scarce. Operationally, some of our pulp mills experienced challenges. Most affected was our ashdown mill, where severe weather resulted in the loss of 58,000 tons of production and a financial impact of $29 million. Our teams did an excellent job focusing on safety, supplying our customers, and restoring operations. Looking ahead, both pulp volumes and prices are expected to improve significantly over the balance of the year. Quarter one saw significant raw material and logistics cost headwinds, mostly due to weather, notably in energy, chemicals, and fiber. But we do expect costs to revert back to normal as the year progresses. In terms of strategic initiatives, we made substantial progress in key areas during the quarter. First, we continue to execute on our cost savings program, and we believe we're firmly on track to complete the remainder of the program by year end. Secondly, we successfully closed the sale of the personal care business. The sale proceeds, coupled with our strong cash position, allowed us to pay down nearly $300 million of debt. In addition, we resumed our stock buyback program and repurchased 5.1 million shares in the first quarter. Our balance sheet and enhanced liquidity position us for resiliency and growth, and are an important pillar in providing the financial flexibility to execute our strategy going forward. By implementing these strategic actions, we're doing exactly what we said we'd do, make Domtar more resilient, so the company can be successful through all market cycles, and we'll continue to drive for consistent improvements. With that, let me turn the call over to Daniel for the financial review before making further comments on our first quarter and outlook.
3: Thank you, John, and good morning, everyone. Looking now at the Q1 financial highlights beginning on slide 5, we have reported this morning a net loss of $0.54 cents per share for the first quarter compared to a net loss of $1.07 per share for the fourth quarter of 2020. The first quarter results include an after-tax loss of $0.41 cents per share from discontinued from operation related to the sale of the personal care business compared to a loss of $0.78 cents per share for the fourth quarter of 2020. Our earnings from continuing operation before items were $0.09 cents per share in the first quarter compared to earnings of $0.34 cents per share for the prior quarter. In the first quarter, we recorded $2 million of accelerated depreciation and $2 million of restructuring costs related to our ongoing cost reduction program. In the quarter, we also incurred $8 million of non-capitalized costs related to the conversion of our Kingsport mill to container board. EBITDA before items amounted to $79 million, compared to $91 million in the fourth quarter. Turning to the sequential variation in earnings on slide 6, consolidated sales were $24 million higher than the fourth quarter, largely due to improved pulp pricing depreciation and amortization was $1 million higher, and sg was $4 million higher when compared to the fourth quarter. For the first quarter of 2021, the company had no income tax recovery, due largely to differences in taxable income by geography and to an absolute low taxable income in the quarter. Our forecasted tax rate for the year is, is still expected to be slightly above 20%. Now turning to the cash flow, Statement on Slide 7. Cash flows from operating activities amounted to $33 million, while capital expenditures amounted to $51 million. In the quarter, we received a proceed from the sale of the personal care business. We also repaid $294 million of outstanding indebtedness under our term loan agreement. We initiated the redemption of the $300 million notes due in 2022, which concluded early in April and will appear on our Q2 cash flow statement. Finally, in the quarter, we repurchased $23 million of share in the open market and initiated a $200 million accelerated share repurchase program for a total share count reduction of $5.1 million. Going forward, one of our key objectives is to maintain a strong liquidity position as well as a solid balance sheet to support our multi-mill conversion to liner board. Turning to the quarterly water finals, fall on slide eight. When compared to the fourth quarter, EBITDA before item decreased by $12 million due to higher raw material for $25 million, higher freight costs for $7 million, lower productivity for $6 million, higher energy costs for $2 million, and higher fixed costs for $2 million. These were partially offset by higher selling prices for $21 million. Lower maintenance spending for eight million dollars and a favorable foreign exchange rate of one million dollars. of note, our Q and EBITDA include approximately twenty five million of costs net of partial insurance recovery related to the winter storm that partially affected Ajan for half of the quarter. These costs include low volume and productivity for thirteen million dollar higher energy costs for eight million dollars Needed, needed repair and maintenance for $4 million, and higher chemical and fixed costs for $4 million, totaling $29 million. This weather event is partially covered by property insurance, and we expect to receive up to $60 million, of which we already received $4 million. Our paper business on slide 9. Sales were flat versus last quarter, and were 19% lower versus the same period last year. Estimated at the W4 item was $103 million. Manufacturer paper shipment were 1% higher when compared to the fourth quarter, and 20% lower when compared to the same period last year. Average transaction prices for all of paper grades were $9 per ton lower than the last quarter, mostly due to customer and product mix. April average prices were approximately $15 per ton higher than the average of the first quarter, showing the first step in the implementation of announced price increases. Let's turn to our pulp business on slide 10. Sales were 9% higher versus the last quarter and 24% higher than the same period last year. Estimated EBITDA before ITEM was a negative $15 million and was significantly impacted by the winter storm or down shipment shipments were flat versus the fourth quarter and 14% higher when compared to the same period last year. Average pulp prices increased $53 per metric ton versus the fourth quarter as we started to implement the multiple price increases announced since the start of the year. April average prices were approximately $100 per metric ton higher than the average of the first quarter as we continue to implement announced price increases. Let's look at page 11. Our paper inventory decreased by 13,000 tons when compared to last quarter, while pulp inventory decreased by 38,000 metric ton. Finally, you'll find on page 12, our updated maintenance schedule for the remainder of the year. So this concludes my financial review. With that, I'll turn the call back to John. John. Thank you, Daniel.
2: Our paper business was steady with total shipments in line with the prior quarter. We sold all of our paper capacity in March, and we expect to run full for the remainder of the year. COVID restrictions continue to impact demand in Canada and and in some U.S. markets. Furthermore, some markets and channels were affected by severe winter weather that impacted supply chains and restricted some consumption. We expect demand to rebound in quarter two and throughout the year as people return to the office, with data showing that only 25% of the office workers in the 10 largest US cities were back at their place of work as of mid-March. We remain optimistic with the overall outlook as operating rates and customer sentiments are strong. Market conditions are improving and our backlogs are growing. We're well positioned to support increased demand from our key customers and remain their supplier of choice. We're also ready to improve our paper mix where we have unique and value added capabilities. Paper prices were slightly down in the quarter, due mostly to an unfavorable product mix. However, price increased implementations in process across most grades. Strong paper productivity and the benefits of our cost savings and efficiency improvements resulted in a solid cost performance. EBITDA margins were at 17%, while our cash cost per ton was 11% lower versus the same quarter last year. A strong performance, despite sales volumes significantly below pre-pandemic levels. This continued the trend that we've seen in our core paper mills over the last few quarters. Paper freight was higher, impacted by increases in fuel, greater length of haul, and weather events. In pulp, our performance was largely due to the weather impacts on operations, supply chain, and raw material costs. Winter weather affected production at several sites, while wet weather impacted fiber supply at some of our southern mills. Specifically at Ashdown, the weather-related shutdown resulted in several weeks of lost production and higher costs. Some of the challenges continued into April, but operations have been steadily improving and we are at near full capacity to start May. The other mills have largely stabilized, but wood stocks are lower than we would like In the southeast pulp markets are expected to maintain momentum supported by demand growth and supply constraints with regard to weather related input cost headwinds we're monitoring our suppliers as they recover from the winter storms with a particular focus on specific raw materials turning to packaging the kingsport conversion is progressing well the projects on schedule and the crews on site are completing demolition and preparing the site for the new buildings and OCC warehouse. All equipment for the conversion has been purchased, and we have also begun work on our operational readiness plan to prepare the mill for startup. Our senior management team's in place, and we expect to start bringing employees back on site to initiate the training process towards the end of the year. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the support of many state and local elected officials, as well as the Tennessee Department of Economic and Community Development, the Department of Transportation, and the Department of Labor and Workforce Development. Their involvement in this project demonstrates what can happen when we have community leaders willing to work with industry to achieve best outcomes for everyone involved. The customer response continues to be extremely positive. We're actively involved as a member of the Association of Independent Corrugated Converters, which has resulted in discussions with domestic customers representing about 2.7 million tons of demand. Our engineering work at our Ashdown Mill for further expansion to linerboard is also progressing well, and we will be decision-ready by year-end. In closing, we have an excellent platform to support future success. Domtar is well positioned to drive growth and reach the next stage in our evolution as a leading North American pulp and paper company while transitioning into a major packaging player. Our core cool business is centered around attractive end markets where current fundamentals are very strong. And our differentiated solutions and innovation enable us to meet the changing needs of our customers as consumer preferences evolve. We see momentum continuing to build across our businesses with solid demand for softwood and fluff pulp and an improved supply-demand backdrop in paper. We expect flow-through from recently announced price increases in pulp and paper will improve margins, even as we manage through the impact of higher input costs. In addition, we expect productivity and other cost initiatives to more than offset inflation. Now let's review the outlook for the remainder of the year. Paper demand should start to accelerate through the year as vaccinations increase and people gain greater confidence to return to offices and schools. We do expect softwood and fluff pulp markets to remain balanced through the year due to steady demand growth and limited new supply. Recently announced price increases will positively impact both pulp and paper, while the second quarter will be affected by seasonally higher maintenance costs as we moved into the plan outages at some of our major facilities. Before I turn the call back to Nick, I'd like to briefly address the recent media speculation regarding Domtar. As we indicated in our press release on Tuesday morning, we did confirm that DOMTAR has been in discussions with paper excellence regarding a potential transaction. There's no guarantee these discussions will result in an agreement and we do not intend to provide any additional updates unless or until the circumstances warrant. We will not be providing any additional details on today's call. Given this, we ask that you please limit your questions to the topic of our results and our outlook. Again, thank you for your time and support, and I'll turn the call over back to Nick for questions.
1: Thank you, John. I'd ask our participants to ask a couple of questions at a time and return to the queue for follow-ups. Olivia, please open up the lines for questions.
0: Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, press star 1 to ask a question. We will pause for just a moment to allow everyone the opportunity to signal.
4: Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See betmgm.com for terms. Twenty-one plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington D.C.
0: Our first question is coming from Anthony Penatari with City. Please go ahead.
5: Uh, Good morning. Anthony, good Um, morning. Good morning. John, just a couple questions on pricing. Um, For uncoated free sheet, the the $60 a ton price increase that has been recognized by Pulp and Paper Week, when should we expect that to fully flow through um, for you? And then can you remind us the price increases that you have outstanding for May, for Pulp, um, uh, for NBSK, SBSK, and, and Fluff?
2: Uh, so, I would say we, we'd be at the kind of new run rate on that pricing by end of uh, quarter two, Anthony. Maybe some of it will leak, in the, but certainly by end of quarter two. Um, and you know, it's a it's hundred bucks a ton, really, pretty much on everything um, for May.
5: Okay. Okay. That's helpful. And then you mentioned uh, maybe some lingering impact at Ashdown from the storm in April. Is it possible to quantify that or put a finer point on that?
2: Uh, Well, we've been operating around sort of 80, 85% of output. So that will still have a bit of an impact. Um, But of course, you know, in quarter two, we'd we'd expect about our insurance back. I think that would Easily offset kind of what we're experiencing now. Um, and, you know, we're ramping up daily. So our expectation is it would be neutral or slightly positive between those two impacts.
1: Oh, Does that helps? Yeah, no, that's very helpful. I'll turn it over. Okay.
2: Thanks.
0: Thank you. Our next question is coming from Mark Connolly with Stevens. Please go ahead.
6: Thanks. Uh, John, you describe um, the pulp demand as steady, but there's a perception in the market that there's been quite a bit of volatility, especially in Asia. Um, is that because of shipping and logistics stuff? Uh, and, and are you saying that underlying demand is stable? And, and if so, are you seeing, um, seeing customers try to stockpile with any
2: success to get ahead of these hikes? Yeah. So we're not seeing them have any success with stockpiling. I think driven by freight Mark, so if you look at our experience, probably 20 to 30,000 tons kind of moves across every month because we're struggling to get ocean freight, let's assume that's happening for everybody. Um, and as you know, Asian customers, particularly Chinese customers, are used to having a lot of inventory uh, in terms of pulp. That inventory's definitely declined because, you know, end-use demand for their products is still reasonably strong. So there is very much developing a sense that you know we need to order pulp because our end-use demand is reasonable and the sort of service levels we're used to are less reliable than they were because of ocean freight. So I think that's put, all that put together says the customer is experiencing a sense of urgency around making certain that he's going kind to of got pulp on the way. So it's... You know, the numbers may be the numbers, but I think psychologically that customer's definitely feeling that, you know, they need to order that pulp. And that gives you sure. a bit of color.
6: Sure. No, that's helpful. And and okay. you mentioned last quarter that you didn't see the normal normal seasonal declines in white paper mix, but this quarter you have. Um, as, as, as we look forward to some sort of normalization, uh, what kind of visibility do you really have into what that mix is going to be going
2: forward? Well, I think – and the answer is it's a judgment call based on a bit of data. I would say if you think about people returning to the office, patently we're going to see potentially cut size be a larger part of the mix. Um, now, we know we can make that very efficiently, so that that could move the mix around a little bit, but and we wouldn't therefore have to do some of the fill tons where the margins are you know, reasonably unattractive. We had to do a few, we did some fill tons. We had some commitments we had to keep in quarter one. Um, but as those people come back to the office, you could certainly see cut size being a larger, slightly larger part of the mix.
6: And, and do you, However, do you,
2: sorry, Mark, please. No,
6: I, no I, please, far away. I was just going to ask whether there's a part of the business that you just don't expect to come back. I mean, not, not in terms of tonnage, but you know, just sort of a, a part of your mix that just goes away.
2: That's not what we've experienced so far. Um, What we're seeing is, and I I guess I'd use March and April as the examples, that actually the mix moves around a little, but not wildly dramatically, right? You know, that was a few dollars per ton. But what we're really seeing is strong demand in packaging. I think the overall environment for packaging papers is strong just because, you know, there's a view out there that we have to do something to substitute plastic. So we've got a lot of R&D work and some very interesting products over time, I think, that will help us build that business. The cut-size business has been remarkably resilient, considering you know, those numbers I gave you, that sort of 25% of people are back in their office in the 10 largest cities. So you know, as I think financial institutions go back to work in June, July, and August, we're going to see cut-size move. I haven't seen anything stop. Um, obviously, I've seen demand decline. You know, point of sale has held up pretty well. Uh, Our merchant business and our roll business has held up pretty well. Printers have been busier than expected. I mean, they're printing paper menus where perhaps previously, you know, people used. So there are all kinds of reasons why little bits of this business are doing okay. Nothing's died a death at this point, if that answers your question.
0: Very helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Next, we will go to George Stappas with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Thank you. Hi
4: everyone. Good morning, Don, George. Good, good morning. Good. Thank you. Um, good. I, wanted Thank you. Come, I wanted to, if you could, um, ask if you could give us a bit more um, color on what you're seeing on early trends in April, if possible, year on year, uh, and, and specifically within China. You know what level of activity you're seeing and and, and in response I think to, to Mark's question, you were talking about uh, you know the need for customers over there uh, in, in Asia and in China to have some security of demand, uh, some security of supply, and that's leading to them ordering more, but you're also starting to see the futures market there uh, slide a bit. So how do I reconcile mm-hmm. a customer over there who is worried about supply but not affecting that through the futures market. So broadly, what are you seeing in the market and why aren't we seeing the futures price we've them have higher then?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's not a great deal of physical pulp, as you know, traded through that market. There's a bit, Understood. but not a lot. Uh, our, our view is very much driven by our customer and uh, our customers. And what we're really seeing is there's absolutely no slowdown in their demand for our pulp. Um, and, in fact, it stays strong. We, of course, have had our own supply challenges, so, you know, we've, we've had to juggle a little bit and make certain that we take care of our major accounts. So where that futures market goes, I mean, quite frankly, George, I'm not sure I have much more visibility than you all do, but all I can talk about is, you know, we, we've, we've issued another price increase. That tells you that we feel pretty confident in the demand in that market. We'll just have to see how it plays out. But I think it's got. It, it looks to me, and looks to us, I guess I should say, that it has a pretty solid runway at the moment.
4: Understood. Appreciate the, the thoughts there, John. Um, one, my, my final, my follow-up question would be on on paper. Strategically, obviously, seeing your two large competitors in North America, depending on how you want to define it. Uh, shrinking in in terms of what their expected activity will be within the uncoded free sheet market, either in terms of ownership uh, or production. And and so I guess the simple way to look at that would be, hey, that's a good thing for Domtar since, um, you know, you remain the largest player in the market. But is that an oversimplification? And, you know, what would you see as the challenges uh, in the market as a leading player, given what we're seeing out of the, the, the other participants, uh, if you could share some code there. And just as a a point of clarification to Anthony's question, so given that we're neutral, positive on Ashdown in 2Q, does that suggest we just see a a flip of the $25 million in 2Q from 1Q? Thank you.
2: All righty. So what does it mean for us in the paper business? Well, I, I think it does absolutely mean for us we are the credible supplier in the space, We have the grade range. We have a fantastic service record. We have a great relationship with our key customers, uh, many of whom rely on this paper, you know, as as a key part of their product mix, particularly obviously the office supply folks. Um, So I think that's all good news for us, quite frankly. Um, And, you know, I I, I would remind you, of course, we took out nearly 25% of our capacity. So, you know, this market now looks pretty tight, quite frankly, and we think that gives us opportunities uh, going forward. To, so, yes, I think, you know, t- to use your phrase, the, simp- the simple answer is it's good news for us. And I'm still convinced that we can deploy our assets over time imaginatively uh, to, of course, make those containable conversions. And I think within the paper business, you know, come up with products that are really highly functioning substitutes for plastic. And if we can find those in sufficient volume, I actually think, you know, there's a great future ahead of us. So, so that's where I sit on that. Uh, as far as the Ashdown thing is concerned, I mean, I, I I think all that, whether whether or not it all comes back, but certainly, you know, obviously the insurance claim comes in. So that $16 million comes in. I think that offsets some of the, you know, the challenges we've continued to have in Ashdown, although it's improving dramatically. So I think, I think. Yeah, you could absolutely say it's not going to happen in quarter two the way it had in quarter one. It'll come straight back. Does that help? All
4: right. Uh, it does, John. Thanks very much.
2: You're very welcome.
0: Thank you. Next, we will go to Adam Josephson with KeyBank. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning,
7: everyone. And, John, I'm glad you're feeling better.
2: Adam, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm sorry you've lost that nice French-Quebec accent, though, but... I'll do the best I can. (laughs) Uh,
7: On Kingsport, can you see? You mentioned that you're preparing the site for new buildings and the OCC warehouse, and that you've purchased all the equipment for the conversion. Can you just give us more detail about what those new buildings will house, um, and, and what the next steps will be, and and how much money you've committed to spending? Out of the, I believe you said 300 to 350 that you said you expected to spend all yeah. told on the project.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, just to remind ourselves, you know, we started that site demolition in November. That's continuing. Um, it'll end soon on the demolition side, and then we're preparing for the construction of a large old corrugated container warehouse, um, which again is is sort of what a lot of that demolition work was about. We have submitted the site environmental permit applications, um, so that should happen fairly soon and then construction can really begin. We've ordered all our major pieces of equipment, including the OCC processing equipment and the repurposed linerboard machine. So, you know, our detailed engineering's underway and the leadership team's in place, so we're, I guess I would say, pretty much completely committed to that project.
7: When you say pretty much, is there any.
2: I, I couldn't give there? you a percentage. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't give you a percentage. But I mean, you know, with all that major right. equipment ordered, you know, it, it's, it's 70, 60, 70% probably of what we're going to spend. Remember, construction's a large part yeah. of it, of course.
4: Yeah,
7: no, understood, John. Thank you. And on Ashdown, you talked about the work progressing and you expect to have a decision by year end. Can you just talk about how your thinking has evolved over the past several months based on what's happening at DomTAR, based on what's happening in the container board market, based on mm-hmm. any feedback you've received from potential customers, how your thinking has changed, if at all, and just any insight you can give us into your, your thought process as it's evolved over time?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, undoubtedly, you know, the market – response to us arriving has been incredibly positive from the potential customer. Uh, we would looked at how we were thinking about that project. Uh, we're now saying, actually, we're going to be more aggressive, perhaps, than we were originally going to be. Uh, probably 700,000 tons of container board, craft liner, brand new machine. Um, we're doing, obviously, the engineering work to make certain that judgment is correct. Um, but that's our plan, and we'll be decision ready with that type of plan by uh, year-end.
5: Really appreciate it, John. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Thank you. And once again, if you would like to ask a question, press star 1 now. We will take our next question from Mark Wild with Bank of Montreal. Please go ahead.
5: Nice. Good morning, John. Good to have you back in the saddle.
2: Well, thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate that.
0: Hey,
5: John, I'm just curious, just going back to that paper business briefly, um, mm-hmm. is the increase in pulp costs around the world combined with these freight and logistics issues, is that incrementally, is that, uh, is that helping you vis-a-vis sort of any pressure from imports?
2: That's an interesting question. So the answer is yes, but, the but being I'm not sure I could prove it other than you know, product isn't turning up. As you can see, imports are very low right now into the U.S. versus sort of some of the levels we've seen. But that, that can go up and down based on, you know, based on the month and based on freight. Of course, dramatic moves in Europe on industry capacity, uh, which, mm-hmm. of course, helps if one, if one's being truthful. And, of course, yeah. where people are not, <laughs> yeah, I mean, where people are not integrated, um, undoubtedly that helps us as we are integrated. You know, within the U.S. context, Mark, of course, there are very few people left, um, you know, making commodity grades who aren't integrated, but they're certainly there in some of the other specialist grades, so that helps us. So I I would say that, uh, you know, a, a sort of slightly weaker dollar all says the risk of imports has reduced. I mean, I think what has to happen, though, we have to certainly make certain, and we are making certain, of course, that we can supply our customers so they don't, they don't worry about security of supply
5: okay and are are john with the um with your competitors you know either reducing the size of their white paper footprint or you know changing their ownership um is that allowing you to potentially you know pick up some some con- bigger contracts and things?
2: Well, undoubtedly, there are customers now saying to us, you guys look like the people who really mean it in terms of being in the white paper business, and, you know, we'd be happier to make longer-term commitments to you. Again, you know, we we can sell 2.1 million tons of paper. Yes, we get a bit of productivity creep every year, but so we'd make those choices really mark around mix more than we make them on pure volume, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that's if we one see one. a mix opportunity, yeah, if we see a mix opportunity in those conversations, we'd obviously take it.
5: Okay. Now the last one for me, John, I'm just curious, you know, with both Kingsport and Ashdown, it, it, as much as you can talk about this on a, you know, a public conference call, It it seems Mm. like you're probably in a little bit of a difficult waltz here because you've got potential customers who are in a really tight supply market right now. And so they have to be a little bit careful in how they manage their relationships with existing suppliers, even while they're talking with you. So, you know, just as Mm. best you can, you know, help us understand how that's kind of playing out right now. Is, is you talk with people about you know establishing relationships in eighteen months or twenty one months
2: when uh, when Kingsport starts up? That's a great question, Mark. So I don't really have an expectation that we'll have you know massive chunks of committed business before we start up. I think what what is developing is. We're going to have a lot of extremely interested independent companies who are really want somebody in this mix who's out to support them. And, you know, we'll have trial after trial after trial after trial, I'm sure, with them uh, as we, we, you know, as we actually produce. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt that was going to be the case, actually, for the point you raised, that, of course, you know, if you commit to us at this point, maybe publicly, uh, patently, you run the risk of perhaps not being first on the list for supply from the current supply base. Exactly, <laughs> right. Uh, so let, let, let's, let's leave it there, shall we? So I, I think, to my mind, what we're seeing is a very positive response. Those, I think, will turn into you know, great relationships over time, but I think there will be, and you know we've allowed ourselves a couple of years in the ramp up as our, our product mix moves, you know, kind of towards those domestic customers, because it's going to take some time. So we planned for that. I, I, I never had any expectation. When we had talked to people perhaps who, you know, wanted to commit to us up front, what I found was the sort of chunk of the economics they wanted versus the risk mitigation on our part versus our judgment of the marketplace the math didn't work.
5: Yeah, well, that's proven to be uh proven to be correct, I think, as the market tightened up here. Yeah. All right, I'll turn it over. Good luck.
2: Mark, thank you.
0: Our next question is coming from Paul Quinn with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
5: Yeah, thanks very much, morning, John. Good to good to find you alive and kicking.
2: <laughs> Alive, if not kicking, Paul. But thank you. <laughs>
5: okay, I just had two questions. One on the pulp side. Um, you know, even when I back in the the 29 million hit uh, for Ashdown in, in, in the quarter, um, you know, your pulp margins are still lagging you know, European peers yes. as well as domestic uh, producers. Just wondering. Yes. If if you figure that, that your margins will pick up back to back to uh, you know historically where they've sat, or if there's something some fundamental that you're going to have lower margins going forward,
2: uh, that's a great question. So we we had our other challenges. So as you know, um, you know although Espanola is has has been a challenge for us, and we're making you know we got a plan to improve it, but it's not as reliable as we like. Dryden is reliable, but at slightly lower volumes than our objectives are. We have uh, a maintenance shut coming up in Dryden where we hope to solve most of those issues. And actually, Plymouth was a bit of a challenge. We're through that now. We had an electrical issue in Plymouth that cost us a few tons. So, you know, it was, as happens in some of these networks occasionally, it, it was just a tough quarter in the pulp business you know great productivity in the paper business but pulp was tough so to answer your question i have every expectation those margins to come back i mean we're working hard to drive our costs down uh, ashdown when it settles is really a fantastic mill in terms of cost position so is plymouth and uh, you know Espanola, we we're going we've got a kind of two year program i would say there to make that more productive we know what we're going to do in dryden and camloops is a star asset so to your point, I, I, I think that was just a weak quarter in the bulk business.
5: Okay, and that's fair. And then uh, just on capital allocation, you, you repurchased shares in the quarter, but now we've seen your shares do a uh, market move. Are you committed to the, the plan of, uh, of capital allocation on share repurchase, falling in the sale of personal care?
2: We are. Yeah, we still remain committed.
0: Excellent.
5: That's all I had. Best of luck. Thank you.
0: Our next question, once again, comes from George Staffus with Bank of America. Please go ahead.
4: Uh, thanks. Hey, John, a quick um, cleanup question here. Just, Ashdown, mm-hmm. if you do go ahead with the more aggressive plan on container board, can uh, you uh, give us a rough and ready outlook on the pulp capacity at Ashdown on a going forward basis? Again, if you do the more aggressive container board plan, thanks and, and good luck in the quarter.
2: Sure. I think we gave that number out recently. I think it's about a 250,000 reduction in pulp. Which would would really impact impact our southern softwood, not not fluff.
4: Okay. So what would the mix? Forgive me, but so what would the mix then be? Uh, softwood versus fluff, will, and and in total. It is? would
2: be majority fluff by some margin. Pro- I I can't give you the exact number, just We'll dig it out and give it to you. I'm happy to give it to you. Uh,
4: we'll we'll I, I think John, John it's going to be. Um, well. uh, We've had like five. Six I think it's going to be. Our- down. Um, go ahead.
3: It's going to be um, 100% fluff. Uh, Obviously, you have the ability to swing depending on market condition, but we'll we'll dry on the fluff machine all the pulp that will be left in Ajaan.
4: Understood, Daniel. Okay. Thank you, guys.
3: Thanks.
0: Thank you. And next, we will go to Adam Josephson with KeyBank. Please go ahead.
7: Thanks a lot, uh, John and Danielle, for taking my follow-ups. Just two on pulp. Danielle, one uh, for you. So your your sequential price per ton in pulp was up, I think, fifty-three, and I think you mentioned the exit rate is up another hundred in two Q. Can you just help me with how much that that total of one fifty compares to all the price increases you've announced from November onward, just to give us a sense for what what that one
3: fifty captures and and what it doesn't. I, I mean that's a that's a tough question because there was so many um, different price increases announced. Uh, so we're still of the view that we're going to get it all. Uh, it's normally uh, happening rather quickly uh, in Asia. Uh, you have the discount rate in North America that is um, uh, bigger than in Asia, and you have also kind of a more contracted ton in North America where there's a lag of one, two, and, and in, in very few cases three months on the up and the down uh, but we're still expecting to uh, to get all that uh in the current market environment
7: Got it Danielle, thank you and and John just with the benefit of hindsight it, it seemed like the pulp market really turned turn on a dime at the beginning of November and that's when obviously futures softwood futures prices in China started to take off and I've read all kinds of explanations as to why it, you know Uh, production disruptions and ocean freight problems and currency and demand. And it just seems like a a laundry list of of possible explanations for what happened beginning in November. But do you have a a good sense for what turned so suddenly in November that has persisted through now? And and, and why the market was so weak up until November and suddenly everything changed? Well, I'm not.
2: Yes, quite. Gosh, Um, I guess my speculation is good as anybody else's speculation. Obviously, from a supplier standpoint, that was one of the longest, worst runs in pulp for many a moon. Um, So it was kind of, I think, obvious to the supplier base that, you know, they could take maintenance shots. They could do just about anything because they weren't going to need those tons. So I, I think there was definitely a feeling around, certainly from us anyway, that you know we've had enough of this, something has to change. I mean, markets, obviously, do they move on data or do they move on sentiment? Maybe they move on sentiment. I think there, bec- there came a point where the customer was thinking, I'm just not somehow, I'm not feeling comfortable around the supply chain of pulp. I'm not feeling comfortable around my ability to buy anything I want. And I think that sentiment fed into the futures market, and then it, it kind of fed into, dare I say, the market, and it carries on to this day. And I, I, that's, what, that's what I think. It, it's not as if these pulp prices are sort of, you know, unbelievable versus history. Um, they're, you know, they're at the higher end of cycle prices, but they're certainly not off the chart. So to my mind, I think that's what, that's what drove this.
7: Perfect. Thanks a lot, John.
2: All right, um, thank you.
0: Thank you. That concludes today's question and answer session. Mr. Australia, at this time, I will turn the conference back to you for any final remarks. Thank you, Olivia. Uh,
1: we will release our second quarter 2021 results on Thursday, August the 5th, 2021. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.
0: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.